Welcome to episode 29 for Radio Liveray. My name is Olaf Koch and with me is the second repeat guest uh, on this show. Um, it is Milan Dionkov. Hello, Milan. Hello, Olaf. Hello, everyone. And the typical question to, be, to the beginning, can you pronounce your name like you pronounce it, not like I pronounce it? <laughs> yeah, sure, I can. Uh, it's Milan Dionkov. Okay, again, uh, it's, uh, pretty yeah. close, I think, yeah. as close as I can get. Oh, it's pronounced differently in, in, in different countries, so I'm pretty much used to all of the versions of it. So. Okay, so you're a repeat guest. Uh, you have been on in episode nine, uh, which was labeled the Community Contributors um, episode uh, yeah. that we recorded at uh, the 2011 symposium, if I'm um, if I'm correct there, uh, yep, in Offenbach. Offenbach 2011. Yeah, so European Symposium, um, and uh, well, at that time you were a community contributor. Um, currently, we're colleagues uh, working in various European countries um, here with LifeRay. So that brings me to my first question, which might be, who are you and what are you doing here? Or what was your experience coming on board? Um, and uh, what's your uh, main work area? Well, um, my uh, title is a senior consultant at LifeRay now, uh, and I'm mostly doing consulting. Uh, I also do trainings, uh, do trainings in Germany or uh, in various countries in Europe, and not only in Europe. Uh, so that that's primarily what I what I'm doing, being part of the uh, LifeRay Global Services. Um, I'm also trying to contribute to the, uh, to the product whenever I can and, uh, whenever there is a, a need for, for, um, contribution in, a, in the areas which I know better. And, um, a lot of other things which are like basically consulting, I would say it's the primary goal for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. But other than that, you're part of the number that uh, neither Cynthia nor Jorge uh, could give when I asked them about the development size, uh, the development team size. Uh, you're one of those consultants that might contribute some features or, or just patches uh, to the core. Uh, yeah, I've contributed a couple of things to the core. Uh, probably not the consultant that has contributed the most. Uh, definitely, I'm not the one. Uh, and I guess the number is changing, uh, you know, in, in, in different periods uh, as we um, mm -hmm. like uh, have uh, different things to do. But uh, actually, it's a good thing that that uh, from time to time you can contribute to the code and uh, and get some things improved and fix some bugs and and, and introduce new features. That's quite challenging and interesting thing to do yeah right now uh, you're also doing training so i'm catching you in between uh, of our advanced developer training uh, sure. the public one that we're currently doing um, which is now end of june um, in in germany yeah. um, so want to talk about that um, well, I can talk about that. I mean, like trainings are, are, are also another, another thing which is quite challenging, uh, which is, um, uh, not only about, about the product and about the platform, but also about uh, people because you know, the, the material of the training is one thing, but people typically comes with, uh, with some experience, uh, like some have a lot of experience and some has a little bit less experience and they come and they bring questions. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's a quite interesting job actually to do the training. So you, you spend a lot of hours to actually go through the materials, through the slides and explain things. And then you spend the breaks helping them solve their real life or production problems. 
Um, so it's it's also an interesting thing. You can learn a lot from from different people how people use LifeRay, what their problems are, uh, what they think we should have done better, uh, and and it's often uh, a source of uh, information of, uh, um, of um, information or some uh, uh, some hints for us for to look for areas where uh, we can actually uh, improve where our customers uh, or or our users see things different than the way we see them. Uh, so this, again, uh, opens the, the door for discussions with core engineers and, uh, and, and, man- and product uh, management to, to actually um, transfer the knowledge from, uh, from the, the, the consultancy and from the, the trainings about how people see the product uh, to, to the people that actually are working on the product on a day-to-day basis. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. it's quite. Uh, um, I think uh, we're getting a lot of valuable feedback this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can attest to that. Um, that's the uh, kind of really interesting part where every training is different from the other. Um, <laughs> that's true. That is the number of questions to get and the uh, what kinds of questions uh, we get. And there's the consulting part again, uh, which yep. is always part of a training session. Um. Yeah, so I was uh, routinely using uh, using you as uh, my reference to some features uh, that have been integrated into LifeRay quite a while ago. Uh, we mentioned that in episode nine when we talked about that. Uh, you have been the original contributor of um, something that is now in the core, uh, in the core as an API and in a plugin, um, which is uh, called Werfel or Mobile Device Detection. Yeah, I think it's called Mobile Device Detection now. Yeah, so LifeRay has the capability to, uh, well, embed a portlet, uh, no, embed a plugin um, to uh, to enable device detection. That is, if you are on a tablet, if you're on a phone, if you, uh, well, what, what kind of device you're accessing LifeRay with and then work on that behalf. The user interface for that um, is what always led me to come back to you and say, hey, can you explain this again? Um, because it's not too obvious. And we're audio only, so um, I'm hoping that uh, we can transport this knowledge uh, and archive this knowledge uh, once and forever so that I don't need to come back to you. Um, and remind me of this feature. Um, well, I'll hand the stage over to you. Um, can you make uh, make sense of this UI uh, what does the mobile device detection do and what is hidden behind the scenes? So what is even hidden from the user interface? <laughs> well, okay. You're not the first one actually asking this question. Uh, it actually happens quite often. Oh, and no, no insult uh, with uh, talking about the UI uh, <laughs> hiding everything uh, uh, so, no yeah. Okay. Are, I'm, no I'm not going to try to now, you know, explain that it wasn't me who wrote the UI because that's not <laughs> the point. Uh, okay. So the, the story goes like this. The, this was a, a proof of concept basically a few years ago. Uh, I needed this for a project to, to be able to, um, uh, to tell what is the device that the customer is using to access the portal. Um, I had quite a lot of experience with, uh, with the field, within the field because, uh, of the products, uh, I've been using before for different projects prior to LifeRay. Um, and, uh, 
the, the first thing that came to my mind was an open source project called Warful, uh, uh, which provides the uh, Java API to actually detect the device. So I basically did a proof of concept and um, <clears throat> sent this on the uh, um, the library forum, say, hey, guys, this is what I have, and if you're interested, uh, just have a look at it. Uh, and uh, actually, it turns out that uh, a few people were quite interested, Jorge and Mike Han, and, and they took it from there, and we uh, actually embedded it into the portal, uh, which is kind of part of it is embedded in the portal, as you said, just the API. And then you need actually the Warful web plugin uh, installed to um, uh, to get it to, to actually detect your devices. Mm-hmm. And now the confusion comes uh, because of the UI again, uh, because currently in, in a current uh, version, which is 6.1, uh, the, the UI is there even if the plugin is not there. Uh, so basically, uh, you you see the the device detection in the control panel, and you are kind of, which leads you to think that you can actually go and configure some rules and, and actually use it. Um, but basically, what you have there is a pretty much an empty list of uh, operating systems mm-hmm. uh, and an empty list of uh, types in terms of whether it's a mobile device or a tablet. Um, and so this brings a lot of confusion. And I should say right away, this is uh, fixed in the, in the next version. Uh, oh, perfect. Uh, so um, there should be, uh, in a, in a six dot 6.2, there will be an information uh, on that page that in order to use this list, so you, can actually, you need to actually install the plugin first. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what also has changed in 6.2 is that we are adding two more features out of the box, which you can uh, uh, use to, do, to, to create rules. Uh, those will be the screen size of the device mm-hmm. uh, and the, the screen resolution. So the screen size is the physical size in terms of uh, millimeters, like you have uh, oh, okay. uh, uh, the, 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 the display size, let's call it that yes. way. And, uh, and the resolution, of course, in pixels. Um, it's a little bit tricky, though, because um, uh, the tricky part comes uh, from the fact that Wurfel will... Uh, will have the general specification of the device, but it won't tell you what is the state of the device at the moment you are using it, uh, which is generally not a problem, apart from uh, the fact that most modern devices are actually um, uh, dual screen. You can either use them vertically or horizontally. And, And now you have the screen size, uh, and the Wurfel will know that, for example, it's like 200 by 400 pixels, but it will not tell you whether at this particular moment you are using it in a vertical uh, position or mm-hmm. in a horizontal position. Okay. Uh, so we had to do some assumptions about uh, about how this thing works, um, but but basically the functionality is there. So. Uh, um, I, I'm really curious to see uh, to to hear some. Um, uh, comments from the community. It, it should be in milestones. I'm not sure which is the next one, five or six. But, uh, six is just out, uh, which is the last one um, before the feature freeze. So now it's feature freeze. So it should be already in in six. I'm, I'm not sure if it is in the in the milestone six because okay. I was working on this with uh, Juan Fernandez uh, just like a week or two ago. Uh, so uh, okay. it could be that it's not in milestone six. But uh, if it is, uh, and uh, if you're curious, uh, try it out and just let me know what you think, uh, or let Juan know what you think about it because. 
this. It may be uh, something that uh, that we need to improve in there. Anyway, uh, new features are coming. The UI it's also changing a bit. Um, uh, I'm not sure what exactly are the changes. Well, definitely there will be hints for the uh, for the uh, uh, form elements. So mm-hmm. now you are not gonna only have one single thing saying device type, and you wonder what it is. But it's actually an explanation that it refers to whether it's actual phone or a, or a tablet, uh, and then things like that. So it is improved. Um, uh, and okay, before you ask, because I kind of feel that that's uh, the next question. Yeah, you know my questions. You've heard them many times. Uh, uh, asked again. Yeah. Again. Well, uh, why it is the way that we only have this couple of things there? Um, the plans were, and actually, I guess they still are, uh, to uh, have a more advanced uh, uh, mechanism for building rules, uh, which is going to use uh, domain-specific language. Uh, so basically, you can uh, spe- use a specific language to, to define your rules, like m- more like uh, the, the draws project uh, allows you to do things, So, which is going to give you the full power to use the whole uh, workflow API, or as a matter of fact, if we uh, come up with an, another device detection plugin in, in, in the future versions, you can use whatever plugin is out there to actually define your rules in a very um, powerful way. Uh, and because we want to actually do this, um, uh, we don't want to spend more time right now on um, uh, on a, you know building uh, a very uh, uh, advanced UI uh, on this, yeah. uh, um, I think this feature, this is uh, this is an issue which is in a, in a, uh, uh, our issue tracking system. Uh, mm-hmm. It just couldn't make it for this release. Um, I, maybe it will make it for the uh, for the next. I mean, like I don't know six point three or seven zero, whatever was going to be the next version. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, yeah, uh, if you are uh, willing to help us with this, and uh, if someone out there is uh, really interested in that and uh, uh, and wants to give us a hand with implementing something like this, well, I guess we'll be very, very grateful. Can it be pluggable, like be uh, published on the marketplace after the fact, or is it tied to the core, uh, how the core handles the... Uh uh, it can be. Uh, it will require hooking the existing mechanism and changing a couple of GSP pages. Uh, it may require some changes in the API. It depends on mm-hmm. uh, on, on the strategy and on the tool uh, used to actually provide the, the um, domain-specific language. Uh, but it's definitely not a, a rocket science thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an, uh, if someone has an experience with building rules, in general, it uh, and, and has a basic uh, knowledge of, of LifeRay and how to hook LifeRay. It should be not, not a big deal to, to implement. Okay. So I will happily work on that if I if I find the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always hard after um, feature freeze has been announced uh, to to go in and add something more. Uh, but well, we'll see uh, what comes out in six two. Coming back to 6.1, uh, which is the source of my confusion, uh, or has been quite a few times, I think right now I finally have understood uh, what's in there. It's actually not too hard, but when you don't look at it for a few months and then come back to it, then uh, you'll basically have unlearned everything and have to relearn again. And I'm using this uh, opportunity to just ask you again, 
uh, for the last time because <laughs> later, <laughs> well, later I can only record, uh, return to this recording uh, because you will have uh, explained it all. So on the current interface, uh, you can define some rules, some device rules. And if some of the listeners want to follow through, Mm -hmm. um, then uh, basically just go to Marketplace, download the Workflow plugin or the mobile device detection, which in turn yeah. uh, internally is implemented with Workflow. And uh, you can create some rules, and these rules allow you to distinguish between tablets and non-tablets, I think, yeah. or tablets, phones tablets and, and non-tablets. Non yeah. It's based on a, on a uh, it's called capability in Workflow, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, true for the devices that are tablets mm -hmm. and false for any other device, uh, which used to be just fine uh, some time ago. Well, nowadays it's, um, uh, it's, it's, I think it's not sufficient if, because we have devices that you hardly can classify as a tablet or non-tablet. Like that's the question I all, uh, almost uh, uh, every time get asked is, uh, what is it, this Samsung uh, uh, Note, Note, I think it is. This oversized or undersized, oversized phone or undersized tablet? Yeah, and I always get the question, is it a tablet or yeah. is it a phone? I said, well, it is whatever Worldful says it is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's 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 not up to me or the the, the developers at LifeRay to decide whether a device is a tablet or not. We just use the Workflow uh, database to get this information. And the good thing about Workflow database is that uh, it can actually be patched. It's just a single XML file, huge one, uh, but uh, yeah. uh, but a, but a single XML file, and you can actually create patches to mm -hmm. it. So you can define. So if if, for example, for a given uh, use case, uh, you want uh, this device to be a tablet, you can actually provide a, a patch to the workflow and where you just specify this property and say, well, this device or this device family uh, is tablet. And then the workflow will treat it as, as such. Okay. So it's basically either what workflow says or what you decided uh, should be yeah. different than workflows. Yeah. And the workflow file, uh, I understand, is uh, constantly updated, right? Yeah, yeah, there is a company behind, a commercial company behind Workflow, uh, which is taking care of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, well, it requires you to purchase a license from them mm -hmm. you know, to get the updates and, and actually to use the Workflow file. Uh, you can actually use it as a, a open source pro in an open source project. It's I think it's now AGPL licensed. Mm -hmm. So if if your project is um, compatible with the AGPL license, uh, I think you can use it uh, uh, using the AGPL license. But if you are using it in the commercial product, uh, then then you need a license for the uh, for the workflow itself. Let me briefly interrupt this recording for some important information on the licensing side of workflow that we didn't. Uh, discuss in too much detail. You might or you might not know that Werfel by itself, uh, the database um, that is behind this, the database that contains all of the devices, is licensed under the AGPL. Um, there's the GNU Afero license. And there is a second licensing option um, that is offered by a company named Scientia Mobile or something like that. I'm not sure about the full pronunciation there. And uh, while you can just get the license from them, you can also get the license from LifeRay as we have partnered with them. And uh, so you can just contact your LifeRay sales representative and ask for licenses for the mobile device detection um, that are differing from the AGPL. And now on with the recording. The user interface allows you to specify tablet or not. 
but Wearful allows you to tie into so many more capabilities. Capabilities, yes. So is something a phone? Is uh, like can I dial numbers? Uh, can I send SMS? And there's uh, is yep. it a touch interface, uh, which yep. is quite interesting for creating UIs? Um, is it touch or mouse based, or uh, do I have a keyboard, or yeah. don't I uh, have that's, one? Uh, I think like a couple of hundred at least properties they have in there. So uh, capabilities, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's quite a lot, really. Yeah. So that's definitely the non-obvious part. Um, of those uh, of the mobile device detection, uh, can you talk about how to tap into that? Because it's all available; it's just not really visible. And to what kind of component is available? How do I work? Yeah, with well, it? it's not in the UI. That's true. Uh, but first of all, you need to get, figure out what it is that Wordful offers. Uh, if you search for a Wordful, um, I'm not uh, sure about the. Uh, uh, the exact address uh, of the page. Maybe I can check later and you can publish that. But um, basically there is a page uh, on, a, on a Wordful website uh, which describes all the, the capabilities. Uh, it's like the capability, the type of the value it accepts and, uh, and what it is used for. Uh, and um, basically any of these capabilities can be used uh, inside, of, uh, inside LifeRay uh, from the API perspective. Uh, so what we have... Um, is we have uh, the device detection util class, uh, which is uh, has a couple of methods to actually uh, call Wurful and get the device information from the current request. So once you get the device object, uh, there is a, a bunch of methods in, in that object which are um, provided for convenience, like uh, get the screen size, uh, uh, whether it's a tablet or not, uh, whether it has security keyboard. Uh, I believe it's still it's implemented as a dedicated method. And for everything that there is a no dedicated method, um, there is a generic method called get capability. Uh, and so gate capability method accepts a string parameter, which is the name of the capability ex as Wurful defines it. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a, a tricky part here. I don't really like this for the reason that the API is generic and yeah. it, it's, it's meant to be used with any device detection tool that you can potentially integrate with, with the portal. Uh, but since currently the workflow is the only, uh, uh, the only implementation, uh, you can actually get, you can actually use the get capability method and give a, a capability name and get a, uh, and get the, the value of that name. I think the value is returned as an, uh, Either object or string, so you may have to do some casting to to actually get the uh, the, the type that you that that is uh, appropriate for you. Uh, but it doesn't uh, really change the fact that you get access to the information, so you can code a lot of uh, uh, a lot of logic around that. I uh, sometimes do this demo. Um, I in fact maybe uh, after this recording, I'll just create a blog post and probably ma make this uh, the code public. Uh, which is using structures and templates in the content um, management system. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in the template, um, I'm just having this very simple contact form, which has the phone number, the, um, the email, 
and another number for uh, SMS messaging. Uh, and it basically uses the workflow from inside the, the templating system in the, in the CMS. Uh, and it just checks whether the device is capable of doing phone calls. And if it is capable, it just highlights the, well, it uh, like makes the, the phone number as a link. Uh, so you can just, uh, if you are visiting this page on your iPhone, you can just click on it and, and make a phone call, for example. Or you can send an, uh, a, a text message or things like that. Yeah, that will be very welcome. I think you have the code more or less ready because I've seen it once. Or yeah. you well, you might have just done it on the fly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I, it's actually I quite did simple. it for, for a, a demo. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it should be no problem to publish that. Yeah, okay. So if you're quicker than I am, uh, where the odds are that you are, because I'm quite slow publishing um, those episodes, typically takes about a week, uh, then there's a good chance that I can just link to it. Otherwise, people just have to find it on your blog stream. Uh, yeah, I'll try to do it sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, did we forget anything in terms of mobile devices, uh, of Werfel? Um, um I just, well, I just figured. Sorry, I, I just figured out that it's actually not mobile device detection, but it's device recognition. It has been renamed. I think it was used to. It used to be mobile device detection. Now it's device recognition. That's the name you are looking for on marketplace. Oh, uh, okay, good to know. <laughs> I'm actually uh, not happened to me very often to look for it on the marketplace because I have it like you just have it installed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one one of the things are in by default. Yeah. Uh, okay, then I guess uh, we have everything. Yeah, there. well, it, one thing that I'm, I'm, I don't know uh, what is the status of it, but I've heard discussions and been part of discussions about that is to actually try to, uh, in the future versions, uh, uh, use the mobile device detection uh, to actually help the UI guys in the responsive design approach. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think this is happening right now. Uh, so, um, there is a definitely a field to, to, uh, to improve. Uh, like I'm, I'm not saying that the whole responsive design thing should be based on, uh, on, uh, on, on whether or not you have a plugin installed, yeah. uh, because right. this, this is, this it can only be, help. Yeah. But if you have it, it can still use it to at least get some hints about the size of the device and, uh, uh, well, well, uh, the the thing with Warful is it used to be very useful back in the old days when the devices were so different. Uh, like before the HTML5 and iPhone uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, and the Android and uh, and uh, and this kind of forced uh, uh, standardization, with, uh, should I say, um, the devices were very, very different. Each manufacturer had his own browser, his own idea of what HTML elements it has to support and, uh, and things like that. Uh, so it was much more useful back then to actually figure out what the device is capable of. And nowadays uh, in, in modern countries, more people are using smartphones and it basically like I would I don't know I don't know the statistics but I would guess that about 90% of them at least uh, use some WebKit based browsers and uh, it, no matter how it is called it, it supports 99% of all the features yeah. um, so it's it's not that much useful but still it contains a lot of information 
Uh, and it's uh, one area where it is particularly useful is uh, for those people who actually want to provide uh, uh, applica- like mobile applications for download from the portal. Uh, I've been in a project before where we've done this, and it uh, also uh, uses Warful to actually detect the device and provide a binary for the particular device. So if you go with the iPhone, uh, you know, all you get is a link, download the application. But if you are with an iPhone, it's going to redirect you to the um, uh, App Store. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you go uh, with an Android, you're going to go to Google. And if you are with uh, like old, uh, like, uh, I don't know, uh, um, Palm or whatever, it's going to just download the, the, the version, which is appropriate for you, for, for your device. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and this is something that without Warful would really be hard to do. Yeah. Uh, uh so yeah, there are still use cases to, 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 to really, uh, use the full power, power of Warful. Mm-hmm. Okay. I might add something because you uh, mentioned responsive layouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are kind of complementary to to Warful, yes, or or to devices. Uh, yes, uh, device recognition can help, um, but uh, they can also be completely independent of that. Uh, or so they the, should be. Yeah, yeah. The, the current typical responsive layout that you see uh, in the world, especially, uh, not especially, but also on LifeRay.com, is uh, that's just reacting to the screen size or to the browser size. Uh, so on any desktop browser, you can actually try how LifeRay.com yeah. looks on a mobile device uh, by just changing the screen size, uh, the screen width or the browser width. Um, and, uh, well, that just works. That works without any device recognition. Um, mm-hmm. Then, well, you can add device recognition and uh, something else that I recently spoke about uh, at one conference uh, very briefly is uh, the other strategies that you can go with uh, in LifeRay, which is uh, for one, you can run your own apps, um, of course. Well, uh, is that LifeRay dependent? Uh, not necessarily, uh, because those apps are um, uh, well written as local uh, native apps. However, uh, when I make uh, some ad for our events app, um, that is available in both app stores, uh, Android and um, iOS. Then uh, you will see uh, when you come close to an event, close to a symposium or roadshow or live report or solution forum, um, that the agenda that you find in there is constantly updated. So whenever this device gets a new connection, uh, it tries to uh, tries to look for an upgrade or not upgrade, but update of the agenda. Where does that come from? It actually comes from exactly the same source as uh, the website is being filled. Uh, So when you see the website updated and then update your phone's um, events app, it will fetch from exactly the same source, which is actually LifeRay's content management system. So uh, what we're actually doing there is we're only editing the web content. We're only editing the agenda in one single place and the app just automatically gets everything. I missed talking about that with James, I think. Well, no, I think we talked about it because James was uh, the author of that app, but we didn't give it uh, any famous positioning, I think. So that's a recommendation for everybody with a phone and planning to come to a symposium and who wouldn't want to, um, to just have this app ready and go. 
And the last part, of course, in LifeRay's mobile story, or not the last part, but another part is uh, LifeRay Sync, uh, which is a generic app that just allows you to connect to LifeRay and synchronize your document library uh, with your phone or with your desktop. Uh, uh, one thing to note here is actually that if you already have the mobile application installed, it's a bit easier. I mean, you may even end up not needing the workflow um, because once you have the application running on a physical yeah. device, you pretty much get all the information about the device. Yeah, uh, and, and you have written that app for a specific device maybe. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yes, on that, uh, you might not even want to write HTML apps. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I will link to a uh, to a video that was shot on the 2012 European Symposium, uh, which contains uh, some information about an HTML5 local storage portlet. Um, uh, yeah, okay. So the recording is available. I just recently saw it or found it again. Uh, I'll link to that uh, because this actually makes very nice use uh, when you're offline. You can still enter data and work with LifeRay, work with the portlets uh, in the background. And then once you get connection back, uh, it will all synchronize that data automatically in the background. So I'll just link that from the show notes. Yeah, I think it was the EBA presentation. Yes. Yeah, it was a good one, really. I guess that nails the mobile stuff. <laughs> I hope so. Uh -huh. Well, it's, uh, I, I, I believe the questions will still pop up. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to answer as much as I can on the library forums. So yeah. if there is anything related to mobile devices in particular, um, just uh, ask the question on forums, uh, drop me a line by email, and I'll, I'll do my best to, uh, to assist you in, uh, in whatever uh, you may need. Thanks for the offer. I will. <laughs> Probably somebody you do else all the will. Time. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. And uh, another topic that I just wanted to point um, people to, uh, which got some praise recently. Uh, you have been at a conference, and one of the presentations you did there, or the presentation you did there, uh, was labeled uh, "What is a portal?" And uh, well, that got some Twitter fame. I saw it all over my timeline. Um, because uh, out came a very uh, pretty and concise presentation. Um, I think it was on SlideShare or yeah, it is on uh, SlideShare. Yeah. Uh, so, what is a portal, or what is the <laughs> content of that, and what's the history in there? How, how comes you're so graphical as a technician? Uh, oh, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself too graphical. I, uh, the truth is I have some uh, experience in uh, uh, working with uh, uh, graphic uh, applications, but uh, it was a long, long time ago. Uh, so uh, what's the story behind the presentation? Well, um, I don't know where to start. Um, it, it's the story is that um, I'm I'm talking to different people uh, about LifeRay, and sometimes those are customers which are convinced about LifeRay, and sometimes those are um, uh, like software engineers working for service integrators uh, which are forced to use LifeRay just because some customer wanted to. Uh, so I, I see this, uh, how the perspective, uh, how people's uh, um, opinion uh, about LifeRay and about portals in general varies uh, depending on what their background is and how they happen to have to use the thing. Uh, so, so if for someone who's been using like portals from the like big commercial vendors, 
and, and moves to Life Ray, uh, well, they realize out of the box, uh, out of the, like right away, um, that, that it's very lightweight. It's, it's actually something that, um, it's, it's much more easier to work with. Uh, at the same time, it does not limit the power, the, uh, the, the, it doesn't restrict you in the things that you can do. But there are people which goes the other way around. Uh, like there are developers or, or software engineers who used to work with just plain old Spring Hibernate, uh, Java Pojos, and things like that. And all of a sudden, they move for whatever reason uh, to the portal world, and they go like, man, oh, that's so complicated, and, and it's so hard and so heavy, and, and things like that. So it, it depends on the perspective. Um, so what I thought of doing was that uh, we should probably try to actually explain uh, and, and reach to, the, to, to those developers, to those software engineers, and show them that this is not a rocket science product. Uh, this is something that, uh, that it's really meant to be a platform. Uh, yes, it happened that it comes with a bunch of uh, features which are very useful for end users. Uh, but at the end, it's just another platform which is, is supposed to make your life easier. It's supposed to um, uh, make it easier for you to build applications. It's not supposed to be on your way. Uh, which I, I figured some people, I don't say, I won't say a lot, but some people don't really, don't really understand. And, um, so I thought maybe maybe we should start, uh, or maybe I should start uh, uh, explaining this. And this the the, the whole idea behind this presentation. It, the very, it, it is not targeted to the LifeRay community because people from the community they already know LifeRay, and this is kind of a very basic stuff for them. Uh, it, it, it tries to show the, pl the product, the platform, uh, and not only from LifeRay perspective, but like to, to see the perspective of portals in general. So basically how it goes, as I, I personally thought that it's a good comparison uh, for, uh, uh, with uh, how uh, Spring Framework showed up several, I don't know how many years ago. Um, I was doing EJB 2.0 back then. And what seems to be a great idea, you know, container management persistence and things like that. Yeah, wasn't it great? <laughs> yeah, it was the well. greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, yeah. And all of a sudden, uh, the spring show up. And, uh, and I remember my first spring project, someone forced me to use it. And I was like, man, that's, that's crazy. I mean, like, uh, what's the purpose of, uh, putting, I don't know, 10 lines of XML code instead of just saying new object, uh, right? And I was like, for, for the natural thing of being against something new, uh, was quite strong for a while. It took me really uh, 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 quite some time uh, to, to actually realize what is the power, uh, what is it spring, what it gives me, why it is, uh, it is good. Uh, and nowadays, I was, as a matter of fact, in a conference, not in a conference, but a, um, a Java user group meeting not so long ago, about like two or three weeks ago. And uh, there was a presentation about some technology, I think NoSQL database. Uh, it doesn't really matter. But what was really important is uh, the presenter was talking about this technology. And at some point of time, he goes like, but of course, we are all Java developers. So the thing that is most important for us is how do we integrate this with Spring? And, and I was like, okay, <laughs> and so this is 
how, how the conscious has changed from the time that spring appeared as a technology to up and uh, up to these days where it's a basic thing. You don't even think about um, not using it because you know, well, it, of course, there are use cases where it makes no sense to use it. But most web application developers, most Java uh, EE developers these days either use spring or some technology which is uh, uh, similar, like, like Google Juice or uh, mm-hmm. whatever the object container is, is their favorite. Yeah. And so there is a purpose for that. It, it, it's, it's a bit more uh, lines of code, if you actually think so, because the spring wiring, uh, unless you're using annotations, uh, but the spring wiring actually takes a, you know, it's pretty expressive in, in XML. But it's not about that. It's about what it gives you. And that was basically my message is what the portal gives you. And a lot of people have been asking me, well, okay, wait a minute. Is it a platform? Or, uh, or is it a, 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 actually a product or, uh, or is it a framework? Um, and, and I was like kind of puzzled. Uh, I mean, there is no definite, I mean, in my opinion, there is no definitive answer to that. I was like, it, it's all of them. <laughs> I mean, you have the framework in all these APIs, uh, and all these tools that we give you out of the box so you can use it. And then you have the platform, which takes, for example, uh, I don't know, service builder, uh, and all the, the, um, the tools that comes around. So you, you get like things like caching and, and indexing and, uh, and, uh, and all kinds of, uh, of really good things that otherwise you'll spend a lot of time writing. Uh, so you get those. And on the top of that, you get all these business ready components. Well, okay. Uh, I agree that some of them may not look the best way they should look, but you know, then you have all these features that allows you to customize it in any way you want to change the look and feel and make, you know, give it to your designers to make it as pretty as they can and things like that. And, um, so that was the basic idea, to actually reach to the people, to the software engineers, to the developers, uh, which haven't used Portal f- f- uh, before, which has the impression that Portal is something that out of the box, uh, it's like, uh, I, I don't know, uh, three gigabytes of install, and once you run it, it needs, uh, I don't know, 64 gigs of RAM uh, to at least run and, and things like that. And just show them that you can actually have a portal which is a very uh, basic one and you can actually scale to as as much as your uh, uh, needs uh, grow um, so that that's the basic uh, the basic uh, idea behind the presentation I, I was really surprised it was uh, <laughs> it was so uh, i don't know it's it's probably successful not uh, uh, the the good term here because when i would measure success in terms of uh, how many people I convinced to actually go and try life way out, uh, and yeah. and and this is not measurable. Yeah, that's not, a bit harder to measure yeah. than, than just. Uh, but it, it's added. been quite a quite a buzz about it. People yeah. been uh, tweeting about it, and I got some mails uh, and congratulations. So it was surprising, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's the basic idea behind it. So, and I think uh, if 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 this is uh, a good ground, uh, I may do a, something more in this area to actually motivate even more people to start uh, to start looking at that. I mean, I'm not forcing anyone to use the portal for any. I'm not saying that whatever you do, you have to do it in a portal because there are use cases where it makes no sense. Uh, but at least I want to 
to present this to some people so they have the opportunity to make a conscious decision whether using this tool makes sense for me or doesn't make sense for me. Yeah. And from my background as a, uh, a service integrator uh, company, um, I actually remember that a lot of business decisions were kind of also made by by the uh, the core engineers and the solution architects. So when when those people are convinced that a given um, framework, a given uh, platform is a good good uh, good base to go and build upon. Uh, they're capable of actually convincing the customers to to go into that and and use this. And the, the good thing about it is, if when this happens, is is that you have a team of developers, uh, software engineers working on a particular project, which is happy with the platform they are using. It's not no longer the case that they are they are building on LifeRay because someone told them to do so. Now they are happy because the platform is helping them being more productive, being deliver faster, and things like that. So if we can, you know, try to to explain to people that hey, we're here to help, we're here to make your life easier, and we uh, uh, ask you to 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 have a look at our product, uh, not because we want your money, but because we really believe we've done a great job, and we'll be improving it and, and making it even greater with every day, then it's it's gonna even shift from the. Uh, from the from the bottom, from the developers, from software engineers, from solution architects, mm-hmm. um, and and we may get more contribution uh, and, and and make the product even better, and hopefully the this is close. This is going to close the circle. Okay, I think I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> and of course, I'll link uh, that presentation so that everybody knows. Uh, Uh, where to find it and uh, can look for themselves in case somebody hasn't yet seen it. Okay. Well, that's a nice summary of uh, what we can do with the portal, how the portal can be communicated. Um, and, uh, well, I'll remind myself of that by looking at the presentation again. Uh, is there any audio? Do you Are you aware of any audio um, recording of that presentation or is it just the slides that exist currently, uh, currently it's just the slides mm-hmm. um if for one of the conferences where i presented this there was a video recording but i'm so far unable to get it mm-hmm. uh i think something went wrong with the with this recording and it may not exist anymore oh yeah uh, i can i can talk uh, stories but, about um, things like that uh yeah I, i i certainly hope that i'll have a chance to uh, to actually present this uh, uh in a in a few more uh places it's it's so far been uh, only Uh, shown in Poland, like live, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the presentation is in English. So, um, <laughs> yeah, shameless plug. If you want to invite me to your event, I'll be happy to go. <laughs> See, I knew we forgot to talk about something. <laughs> okay, great. Um, well, thank you very much for being available, Milan. No, it's my pleasure. Okay, so that was episode 29 of Radio Life Ray. My name is Olaf Koch, and we'll um, hear, hear us again quite soon because the next recording is already scheduled. Goodbye.